Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine and creator of drjockers.com, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. Are your joints painful? Do you suffer from daily discomfort? As it stands today, chronic pain affects more Americans than diabetes, heart disease, and cancer combined. In fact, chronic pain is the number one reason Americans enter the healthcare system today. However, many people believe their only option for pain relief is found in drugstore options, such as ibuprofen, Advil, and Tylenol, to name a few. Tragically, most people are unaware that these pain meds do more harm than good. Common side effects include headaches, liver and kidney issues, high blood pressure, and in rare cases, even death. Not to mention, they're just masking your pain, giving you temporary relief. While this may sound all doom and gloom, I do have good news. There is an all-natural solution that addresses the root cause of your discomfort, a real solution that allows you to get back to being you. And that solution is called curcumin gold, made by my friends at Purality Health. Curcumin gold contains turmeric curcumin extract, vegan omega-3s, particularly DHA, which is a very long chain omega-3, and it has ginger oil. These carefully selected ingredients support healthy joint function and address the root cause of inflammation within your body. Trust me when I say you won't find anything else on the market quite like this. In fact, my friends over at Purality Health have a patented formula that utilizes something called micelle liposomal technology, which delivers the nutrients into your bloodstream, proven to be 800% more efficient than traditional uh, supplement doses. Even better, it's backed by a 180-day money-back guarantee. And today, we have a 30% off coupon for you. Just visit pluralityhealth.com and use the coupon DRJ or Dr. J to access 30% off today. So again, that's pluralityhealth.com. Use the coupon code DRJ, so Dr. J, to access 30% off today. Welcome back to the podcast. I've got an exciting interview for you guys today. This is with my good friend, Dr. Peter Kahn, and we're going to talk about the brain immune gut axis and its link to chronic disease. Dr. Peter Kahn is a chiropractic neurologist, and he's a certified functional medicine practitioner, and he is one of the sharpest people I've ever interviewed. You guys are going to love the information we talk about. Dr. Kahn is an expert in neurometabolic health and analyzing the relationship between the brain immune gut axis and how it impacts all of human physiology. And in this interview, we talk about the connection between the brain and the gut and how the immune system really connects the brain and the gut. We're going to talk about the blood-brain barrier and how that compares to the blood-gut barrier. If you're out there and you're dealing with chronic health issues, maybe chronic gut issues, it actually may be a brain issue. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about strategies you can take to support your brain and help balance your immune system and support 
the integrity of your microbiome and your gut barriers. So you're going to get a lot out of this. If you're a practitioner or somebody that works with clients, you need to listen to this interview. This is such powerful information. And if you're out there and you're just trying to improve your health, you are going to get so many gold nuggets out of this interview. And guys, if you know anybody that you care about that is dealing with chronic health issues, definitely share this interview with them. And if you want to reach out to Dr. Khan, you can find him at his website. It's Ask Dr. Khan. So A S K D R K A N dot com. AskDrKhan.com. Again, he is a wealth of knowledge. You guys are going to love this interview. Be sure to check out his website, check him out on social media. And if you have not left us a five-star review on this podcast, now is the time to do that. When you leave us a review, it helps us reach more people and impact more lives with this message. Thank you so much for doing that. And let's go into the show. Dr. Khan, always great to connect with you. And I'm excited to talk about the brain immune gut axis and its link to chronic disease. I'm excited to be talking about it. And thanks for having me, by the way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you're, you're a world expert in this area and I really love your take. You know, most, most people out there, most practitioners, both, you know, certainly in conventional medicine, but then also even in natural health, if somebody has a gut issue, they're looking just at the gut, right? If they're, if their symptoms are gas, bloating, um, acid reflux, they're focusing primarily and, and oftentimes only on the gut and they're not relating it to other systems of the body. If they have, uh, depression or anxiety, they're only thinking, okay, this person's got a mood disorder, but they're not thinking what's happening with this person's gut. What's happening? Are they inflamed? Do they have inflammation that's affecting them? They're not connecting all these different areas. And I know that that's something you do as a functional medicine, uh, practitioner, you've really, and, and you've also really, um, really highlighted this idea of how the brain connects with the gut through the immune system. And can you explain that in more detail? Yeah, absolutely, David. So you're right. You know, a lot of time people come in with digestion issues and almost like, you know, sometimes it can be a low hanging fruit. Hey, just give them some enzyme and it solves the problem. Or sometimes just L-glutamine and that's it. But oftentimes, you know, people with chronic health issues, that may not be enough. And we have to learn to look beyond just the area of complaint and make the, as I say, the big connection. And when I say big, you know, to me, it's also this acronym called brain immune gut access. You know, oftentimes people heard about the brain gut connection or the brain gut access or the gut brain access depends on who you talk to. You know, the gut people like to say gut brain because they feel like the gut is more important. And the brain people will say brain gut connection because they feel the brain is more important. You know, really it's some semantics, semantics because they're all, they're bi-directional. They all talk to each other. And my background is that I come from a background of, you know, a board certified chiropractic neurologist. And so I really had a lot of interest and a lot of clinical practice working with people with chronic brain symptoms. Now, these brain symptoms people come into me for, it could be as serious as having MS, you know, demyelinating disease. They have some type of, you know, disabilities that we're working with. Oftentimes, though, they have these subclinical neurological issues, you know, that might be brain fog. That might be short-term memory issues. They may have, you know, paresthesia, numbness, tingling, but a lot of it is also cognitive issues, you know, depression, anxiety. And what I noticed in the past, working as a board-certified chiropractic neurologist, I will do different type of brain-based therapy, you know, based on their re localized region of dysfunction. But then I'll notice that some people, they respond and other people don't. And the people that don't respond to these brain-based therapy 
with the one that had metabolic problems. So metabolic problem like blood sugar issues, like perfusion problems, like inflammatory issues, like gut issues. So then when we started to work with the people more than just the area of complaint and sort of connected the big connection and connect the dots, our results just increase exponentially. So there's definitely a brain and a metabolic component. So this is what I call it, a neurometabolic component, right? So, and when I say metabolic, that means every, everything related to metabolism and metabolism is how your body break down and utilize energy. But know that when you have metabolic issue, there where you can't break down or utilize energy properly, it, it has a cascading effect that can create inflammatory problems, create hormonal problems, create problem with detoxification. So now you have all these different other problems that balloon from that. And a lot of time people are, again, kind of fixing the area of dysfunction, right? Oh, I need to detox. And that's all they're focusing on. And then forgetting to set up the, the prerequisites for good detox, or they just have digestion problem. They're forgetting to look at what's upstream that could be causing digestion issue. A perfect example of this, which is very, um, very common, is people with brain dysfunction that leading them to have gut dysfunction. And so, you know, we know that the, the cerebral cortex, okay, the, cord, the cortex is an area where much of the brain processing occurs. So brain is basically a big old antenna. We take sensory input from the environment, and then the brain interprets that and give an appropriate output. The output could be motoric output, right? Generating muscle contraction so you can move away from danger. But some of these are autonomic uh, motoric output as well. So you can have blood vessel that constrict to get your blood pressure up. So different type of responses. And one of those responses is motoric output to the gut, right? So then if your brain, if your cortex is not firing properly, and we'll talk about like why that might be, the cortical output, 90% of your cortical output, you would think is for volitional movement, voluntary movement, like, you know, moving your muscle or thoughts that you're aware of. 90% of your brain's output is actually going to your autonomic nervous system, mm. you know, in your brainstem, pontomedullary area to drive autonomic function. So that's what your brain does 90% of the time. The and other 10% for, is- for the lay people that autonomic is the automatic part of our, our nervous system where things that we don't have to think about, like blood vessels constricting, like muscle contractions in our gut that help move things through our, our bowels. We're not thinking about that, but the brain's constantly processing that 90% of its uh, energy or, or output has to do with that autonomic component. Yeah. So only 10% of what your brain does is the stuff that you're consciously aware of. And that 90%, a big chunk of it is goes to digestion. So when, when you, and that's mediated by the vagus nerve, right? So vagus yeah. nerves, cranial nerve number 10, uh, you know, and obviously vagus nerve also controls, you know, muscles of swallowing, heart rate, you know, innervate the, the lungs as well. But a big chunk of the vagus nerve function is really digestion. It's really the biggest part of what that nerve does. And so the example here is that if you have poor cortical output, then that 90% of the brain's output goes to the vagus nerve. It's also going to be compromised. So therefore, you're going to have decreased vagus nerve output. Now, the innervation to the gut, that motoric output, which is muscular contraction expressed in peristalsis and motility, is going to slow down. And when the motility slows down, then food doesn't go through your GI tract as well. So it kind of sits there. 
number one, you can have constipation. Number two, you can develop fermentation of just food and stuff sitting there, more likely to get bacteria overgrowth and candida overgrowth. So you get SIBO and candida overgrowth. And people are, again, kind of become stuck on, okay, I got to fix my candida. And 10 years later, they still have candida problem. Like what happened to all these anti-candida herbs and wonderful stuff that you're doing? Why is it not working? So when it's not working, you have to start asking big, bigger questions as the acronym goes. You got to go perhaps more upstream. Uh, and, and this is where the brain issue really comes in with digestion. This podcast is sponsored by Liver Health Formula from Pure Health Research. For anyone looking to ignite their fat-burning metabolism, boost their energy, and transform how they look and feel, they must start taking care of their liver. Your liver is your body's master detoxifier. It performs over 500 key functions in your body every single day. It's responsible for cleansing and removing thousands of harmful toxins, man-made chemicals, alcohol, and dangerous food additives and preservatives. And after decades of wear and tear, our livers slow down and they become sluggish. And this is why so many of us struggle with weight gain and feeling tired all the time. Fortunately, there's a simple all-natural solution that I recommend. It's called Liver Health Formula. Liver Health Formula contains 12 powerful botanicals clinically proven to recharge and protect your liver at the cellular level. It helps restore your liver's detoxifying abilities. It boosts your energy levels and can kick your natural metabolism into high gear. It also works remarkably well to fight fatty liver, which is a silent epidemic affecting 100 million Americans. And right now, as a listener of our show, you can try Liver Health Formula completely risk-free and receive five free gifts when you order today. First, you're going to receive a free 30-day supply of nano-powered omega-3. This powerful blend of omega-3 fatty acids supports a healthy heart and brain with four times better absorption thanks to this special nano delivery system. You're also getting four free eBooks to support every aspect of your health and longevity, regardless of age. Just go to getliverhelp.com forward slash jockers or call toll free at 800-282-1757 to claim your risk-free supply of liver health formula and all five bonus gifts. That's get liver help. So G E T L I V E R H E L P dot com forward slash jockers or call 800 282 1757. You're covered by their 365 day money back guarantee. So you have nothing to risk, but supplies are limited. So go head over to get liverhelp.com forward slash chalkers or call toll free at 800-282-1757 now to order liver health formula and claim your five free bonus gifts while you still can. That's getliverhelp.com forward slash chalkers or call 800-282-1757. And you mentioned the vagus nerve. And so you know, a, a term that I've heard a lot more in, in functional medicine and, uh, you know, something that I, I like to look at as well is vagal tone or the tone of, you know, basically the, the, the strength of what's happening and the effectiveness of what's happening through that vagus nerve. Can you explain that in more detail? Yeah. So the, the vagus nerve, again, is one of your par main uh, parasympathetic outputs. 
And you'll obviously have other parasympathetic nerves and other nerves that, and other centers that control parasympathetic function. For example, in your sacral plexus, you have the parasympathetic function in the sacral plexus that innervate, you know, your rectum and things like that. And then you also have um, other areas where your sympathetic chain ganglia, these are a network of uh, nerves that are in your spinal cord from T1 to T10 that really fires your sympathetic fight or flight response. Um, and then in the, in a cranial nerve section, you have other cranial nerves that may innervate the eye to promote tearing. You have other cranial nerves that innervate, you know, other places on your head and neck, but the, the vagus nerve is one that really has one of the biggest connection between the brain and the rest of the body mm. is controlled by that vagus nerve. And we talked about the digestion and heart rate and other things, but the vagal tone is describing this, the strength, as you say, right? So vagus nerve kind of has that inhibitory effect on the body overall, mm. but it depends on what you're inhibiting, right? Yeah. So if you're inhibiting an inhibition, it's kind of like a negative and negative equals yeah. a positive. So if you inhibit something that inhibits, then you actually are activating something. So, so the vagus nerve, even though we say sympathetic nervous system, fight or flight is your gas pedal and a parasympathetic is your brake pedal, but really the, the vagus nerve is activating digestion, right? Yeah. So it's not inhibitory in that sense. So good vagal tone then will activate your digestive centers. Mm. And that includes not just motility that we talked about, also secretions, right? Yeah. Digestive secretion of gastric acid, pancreatic enzyme output, biliary contraction, bile release, all of that is vital to good digestive function in various different ways. And it can show up as symptoms in various different ways as well. For example, gastric stomach acid deficiency tend to manifest in a very specific set of symptoms that are kind of different from if you have pancreatic enzyme deficiencies, and also manifest a little bit differently than if you have biliary insufficiency. So by really understanding the, the signs and symptoms of these things, you can actually just by symptom alone, be able to zero in pretty close to where the problem might be and therefore incorporate some natural medicine practices, either supplements, nutrient herbs, to really help restore some of these functions. I would say the digestive system is one area where you know, natural medicine and functional medicine has a long history of providing a lot of help and, and tend to respond really well to things that we do. You know, for example, if you have low stomach acid, you can take apple cider vinegar yeah. or, you know, digestive bitters. If you have, you know, uh, enzyme deficiency, you can take, you know, digestive enzymes. So these are things that we've been taking to in functional medicine and natural medicine for a long time with great results. So digestion is one area where this stuff really helps. Yeah. And digestive bitters, one of the reasons why they work well for helping stimulate digestive juice flow is they actually activate the vagal, vagal tone, right? They actually activate vagus nerve function. Yeah. So bitters, you know, by, by the sensory pathway, when you taste things that are bitter, it's kind of a, it's got that vagus nerve stimulation. In fact, stuff that you do to your mouth have a vagus mm. nerve stimulatory effect. For example, a lot of the time we are, we advise our clients to do vagus nerve stimulation exercise. Yeah. And these are typically things that we do with humming and gargling and gagging because we're, we're activating the general motor uh, efferent of the parasympathetic nerve function. So we're basically activating these muscles of swallowing, right? When you gag and hum and stuff like that, you're basically activating these throat muscles 
And therefore, when you activate it by a voluntary response, well, the gagging is not necessarily voluntary, but gargling is. And, yeah. and what you're doing is you're basically sending a signal to that that uh, the the nucleus, right, the the vagal motor nucleus, where all these motor signal goes in, and when you fire that nucleus, then neighboring nucleus around that nucleus also gets fired. So then you have the vagal motor nucleus, but you also have other nucleus within that area where cranial nerve ten goes to that fires down to the vagus nerve. So then that's how you can use these throat exercise to fire a neighboring center that drives some other function, which is the gut. That's why those things work. Yeah. It's really interesting, like strengthening a muscle and how that can actually benefit, you know, a lot of different movements. Well, it's kind of the same thing here. You know, we're trying to get improved neuromuscular, uh, activation here, right. Where the vagus nerve is now, you know, the, the, the muscular component now it's activating, for example, peristalsis in our gut, but also like you mentioned, those secretions also are like a cross, in a sense, you're getting you're getting both of those activations where it's helping improve the secretion component as well. So, yeah, vagal tone is really key. What are some symptoms that you see with people that have low vagal tone? Uh, people with low vagal tone, we might see um, digestive issues. So that's let's go with the gut here. Yeah. So, and what we might see digestive wise will be you have trouble digesting carbohydrates and fat and protein. All of it. So like, why yeah. would that be? Well, remember vagus nerve, right? If we're talking about digestion, it goes from north to south. So the vagus nerve is going to have a descending influence on all of the digestive organ, be it stomach acid, be it pancreas, enzyme release, and, and gallbladder. So when you have decreased vagus nerve issue, then you may have decreased stomach acid, pancreatic enzyme release, and bile issues. So then you have all of those problems. Can't digest protein because you have low stomach acid, can't digest carbs very well because you have low pancreatic enzyme, can't digest fat very well because you have poor biliary function. So that might be a clue to tell us that, you know what? It's not that your gallbladder sucks and your stomach acid sucks and your pancreas sucks. It's that you have vagus nerve that's not working, driving all of it. So that's one way you can tell. Other things that you can tell is that, remember the vagus nerve is one of the main parasympathetic you know, outputs. And so, it, and then the opposing force is the sympathetic. So if you are having a low vagal tone, then the opposite, the antagonistic force will be much higher. It's like a teeter-totter. So then low vagus nerve function will cause a higher sympathetic response. This we might see in people with higher heart rate, higher blood pressure, perhaps more skin sweating, right? Mm -hmm. We might see a more dilated pupil. We might see... Um, people with, um, even on physical exam, uh, palate, uh, palate, palatoparesis, we might see. Very interestingly, in functional neurology, then we're also looking for hemispheric balance, like left and right side, because sometimes you can have the right vagus nerve working less than the, less than the left mm -hmm. vagus nerve. Just like you can have the right cerebral cortex work less than the right, the left, so you can have this hemisphere imbalance that might cause where you might see blood pressure that's higher on one side compared to the other side. So these asymmetries in the body that's related to sympathetic function and parasympathetic function really gives us a big clue about, you know, these autonomic nervous system function. And if it's like a one-sided problem, and that'll allow us to direct specific brain-based stimulation to the appropriate side to kind of bring the function up. Uh, now, if it's just a general bilateral both-sided issue, 
then you might just think that it's a general, you know, vagus nerve issue where you have a low vagal tone kind of across the board. Sometimes we'll see, you know, one-sided lesions or one-sided dysfunction, but that that's really uh, for you to see a, you know, functional neurologist to really have that checked out. But I think for most people, if they're noticing a lot more, these fight or flight responses, uh, they're more stressed out easier. And another sign of uh, poor vagal tone is actually light and sound sensitivity. Hmm. The reasons for that, because when your sympathetics are firing, your pupils are more dilated. That's one of the sympathetic responses. Your pupils dilate so you can let more light in, so you can see better, so you can see threats better. Yeah. If you're constantly having high sympathetic because of lack of uh, vagal tone, then that, the pupil just dilate it all the time. So then too much light's constantly bombarding your retina and bombarding your visual centers. And some people just can't handle it. So then that light would just cause them to have migraines. They get sensitive to light. They just cause all kinds of problems. Sound as well. Uh, they'll be sensitive to bright, you know, loud noises, big bang. They would just startle where, you know, some people just like, oh, that was loud. Uh, and this person will be like, <gasps> and then they'll have heart rate go up. They get all the sympathetic response. The reasons because the light and sound processing, the sensory input all converges in the tectum, which is an area in the mesencephalon or the midbrain. And that midbrain mesencephalic area is also the, the starting place of your fight or flight response in the brain stem. So then we will see a lot of these light and sound sensitivity as well. Yeah, I think uh, I think a eureka moment, that was a eureka moment for a lot of our listeners here because a lot of people out there are dealing with these kind of sound sensitivities, light sensitivities. They're dealing with kind of a, a compilation of gut issues, maybe some anxiety, some depression, things like that. And they're not kind of putting it all together. So that was really, really powerful right there. And what are what are some of the root cause factors for, you know, the average individual, maybe they don't have, you know, like let's rule out like they don't have a stroke, they haven't had a stroke, they don't have a brain tumor, you know, things like that. What are some of the root cause factors for low vagal tone? Well, as I mentioned earlier, you have to ask where it comes from, right? So the yeah. presynaptic input, right? That the the stuff, the place where the signal came from that feeds into the vagus nerve is your cerebral cortex. Yeah. So if you have a cortical problem, then that might drive a downstream problem. So how do you know if you have a cortical problem? Well, very simply, do you have cortical symptoms? What are these symptoms? Brain fog, right? It's a kind of the same list that we hear over and over again, but these are cortical problems. Yeah. So if you have brain fog, short-term memory issues, depression, anxiety, you can't focus, you have lack of motivation, lethargy, these are cortical issues. Now, sometimes you can have a very specific brain-based problem, like, you know, you have aphasia where you can't speak or you have some motor loss, you know, like or one side of the face droopy, that might be a sign of a stroke, right? And then the, you, that's some medical emergency. What we're talking about is this chronic issue that you're struggling with, but you have no answers for. And the doctor says you're normal, but you're obviously having symptoms. The reason they say you're normal is it, and I, oftentimes I hear people tell me, oh, I have brain brain scan and brain MRI. They tell me there's everything's normal. There's no tumor in there. So it's not my brain. But you have brain fog and brain symptoms, don't you? Yes. So there's something going on in the brain. Mm. It's just not in a tumor because you can have cortical problem that's a functional problem. So yeah. in functional neurology, we call it a functional lesion versus a hard lesion. A hard lesion is where you have a stroke, you have a bleed, you have a hemorrhage. We can see it on MRI casket. Yep, some kind of structural problem busted in there. That's pretty obvious. Okay, you, you can see it. That's a medical emergency. A functional lesion is one where 
the imaging looks fine, right? The obvious structure looks fine, but on a functional level, the, the cells are not able to function. And the reason they can't function because there's a neurometabolic problem, meaning the way brain process energy has been compromised. Mm. So, so what are some of these root causes of why the cortex will even yeah. be, be problem? Well, you have blood sugar issues. Mm. First place we start is fuel delivery. Can right. you deliver fuel to your brain? So that's why you and I, we talk so much about blood sugar. Every time I interview you, we're asking about blood sugar because that really determines the function of how well your brain's going to be able to function, right? Blood sugar stability or using alternative fuels like ketones. And then, and then along that fuel delivery conversation is oxygenation. Hmm. Can you deliver oxygen to your brain? Now that's by the way of, you know, blood pressure. So someone who's hypotensive, the blood pressure is suboptimal is not good enough to feel great, not bad enough to pass out, but not good enough to feel great. That can also cause mm. inadequate blood flow to the brain. Then the brain's just not getting enough, you know, oxygenation. Now you can also have anemia that can cause low oxygen and that can impact the brain. Some people have, you know, small vessel disease. They have, you know, mini strokes in the brain that they never knew they had. Perfect example would be MRIs. You have MRIs and doctors say, oh, we don't see anything abnormal. You just ha have age-related volume loss. And we see uh, potentially some, you know, some small signs of like perhaps some previous, you know, uh, injury or something like that. They say, oh, it's, it's fine. But uh, usually when I see that, I see that as a chronic problem, chronic inflammatory problem with the brain that's built up to losing brain cell. Volume loss in the brain is no joke. That means your, your, your brain cells are dying at a faster rate than normal, and you're losing the size of the brain. And that's not a good thing. And if we see like white spot, you know, hyper intensities, white spots in the brain, that's that means demyelination. And that also spells loss of brain function. So a lot of times these are chalked up as age-related finding, but you know, certainly there are people who are elderly who don't have these findings and they're doing great. And there's people who are younger who have these findings and they're not doing so great. So it's not age-related, it's more how much inflammation do you have in your system? So again, fuel delivery, inflammation, anything that can cause inflammation, which will be toxins, which will be infections. Um, and then stress hormones. So these are the trauma, common call maybe like a head trauma or something. Oh yeah. Oh, concussion. So, so leave it to the functional neurologist, leave out head trauma. <laughs> okay. So concussion, absolutely. Concussion. Yeah. Now the, the thing about concussion is that it builds up over time, meaning the yeah. more concussion you've had, right? The second hit, the successive hit, it creates more and more of a decreased threshold for your body to handle successive mm -hmm. concussions. And then it can get to the point where you don't have to hit your head anymore. All you got to do is eat gluten or get stress mm -hmm. or get an infection. And that can drive this inflammation in the brain, even without the concussion. And sometimes the term that I call it is called chemical concussion. Mm -hmm. You're literally chemically reconcussing yourself every time you eat gluten, every time wow. you get exposed to chemical, because once you have that concussion, your brain is primed for more inflammation. Because yeah. so your immune system and in your brain, your microglial which are kind of the immune cells in your brain are hypersensitized, right? They think you're at risk. So they're like, you know, cops that with their guns drawn, ready to, ready to shoot. So when they see something that looks, you know, a little, little suspect, boom, they're firing. Yeah. This, this idea of the prime microglia is really important because I don't think many people know that once you have a brain injury, these microglial cells literally can go through a morphological change meaning they literally change into a different type. They go from 
you know, M1 to an M2 type of macrophage or glial cells. And what happens is one of these types of, you know, once you hit your brain, you have concussion, you have brain inflammation, the brain, these glial cells can shift into a more mm. inflammatory type. And then yeah. for the rest of your life, they stay as an inflammatory type. So that means that uh, kind of like you say, they're they're primed and ready to attack anything that comes now where before you can tolerate things and now you can't tolerate as well. Mm. That's why these people get more sensitive to chemicals, they're more sensitive to inflammation. Uh, you know, some of these people, they can't handle oxidative stress. So they exercise, which produces oxidative stress, which is a good thing, but then that, they're already inflamed. So that extra yeah. oxidative stress from exercise will just make them have brain fog and make them fall apart. So these are things that we, we all, we, we manage, right? We're managing all these variables, the brain gut connection, the brain, the, the gut immune connection, all of it is kind of connected. Yeah. So we all have a certain threshold for stressors. And when somebody has a cortex problem, right? Like you were talking about here, they have a lower threshold, right? Meaning that like what they could handle when it came to, you know, a, you know, cause obviously we're, we're dealing with stressors and toxins from a lot of different um, contributing factors, but the overall threshold of what they can handle now is significantly reduced. So they may have been able to handle a certain amount of exercise, certain amount of stress, and now their level of resiliency to that is is much lower. So that same level of stress now overwhelms their system and sets off this vicious cycle of inflammation that impacts them and they have a, a myriad of different symptoms. I just want to take a moment, interrupt this podcast to tell you about Paleo Valley's organic super greens. They've got 23 organic superfoods all made into a powerful powder. And these superfoods have their own unique benefit for boundless natural energy that you can get in one scoop of this powder. And the cool thing is there is no cereal grasses. A lot of you guys are concerned about cereal grass because research has come out showing that things like wheatgrass, barley grass, actually contain a lectin called wheat germ agglutinin or WGA, which for some individuals is very inflammatory. And so Paleo Valley made these organic super greens without any of those cereal grasses. They only use the finest, most bioavailable superfoods to help your body absorb those valuable vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, and enzymes found in each delicious servings. No fillers, no indigestible ingredients, just 23 nutrient-rich organic superfoods full of the nutrients you need for a vibrant, healthy life. And it's super simple. It only takes you 30 seconds. Just take a scoop, put it in water, or put it in you know a beverage of your choice to get these great benefits. You can check it out by going to paleovalley.com forward slash jockers and using the coupon code jockers at checkout to save 15% off today. Guys, try it out. You guys are gonna love these this greens powder. Absolutely. And this is the reason why we detox. This is the reason yeah. why we try to get rid of underlying infections. This is the reason why we clean up the diet so that there's not so much of these inflammatory contributors to add to this background already elevated level of inflammation. So then the, the body can just take a breather and say, oh, you know, I'm not inflamed anymore. I can take a break. And then so it gives you a body to come back to homeostasis, uh, which allows you a, another chance to build more resiliency because you know, you can put stressors in the system, 
which builds resilience. But if you're always stressed, then you're never coming back to, to balance and never get a chance to kind of bounce back and build that resilience. So. Yeah, yeah. Now, in our gut, we've got particularly our, our small intestine. We only have one cell wall, right? That's kind of connecting it. And, um, you know, obviously, depending on different factors, we can have a level of permeability in that gut lining. Now, what are the similarities and how does that impact what's what's happening there with that gut lining? How does that impact what's happening with the blood-brain barrier? Like, what's their relationship? Yeah, as the, uh, can I say the old saying, I guess it's this, you hear it a lot, you know, these days that, you you know, you hear the, the brain's on fire, the gut's on fire or mm. vice versa. And then, you know, we say this and it sounds really catchy and it's actually true, but how does that happen, right? And the reason that happens is because the intestinal barrier, that one cell layer lining, the cytoarchitecture of that intestinal lining, like the way that intestinal lining is structured with the actin and myosin and, and occludin and zonulin, that's exactly the same way that your blood-brain barrier is structured. Mm -hmm. So like in your blood-brain barrier, and people say, well, what's blood-brain barrier? Is like, like a net in there? Well, the blood-brain barrier is actually the blood vessels that supply blood to your brain. That's what the blood-brain barrier is. It's blood vessels. And the, all the blood vessels in your body have the endothelium, which is the inner lining of your blood vessel. And then the blood-brain barrier, that inner lining have the same type of protein as you do in a small intestine. So some of these proteins are cloudins and occludins and zonulins. So if you develop antibody to cloudins and occludins and zonulin in the gut, well, these antibodies going to circulate by blood. And when it get to the blood vessel in the brain, the antibody then will prompt an immune response against the same protein, cloudins and occludins zonulin in the blood brain barrier. So thereby causing inflammation of those tissue. Now you have more permeability of the blood brain barrier, allowing chemicals that normally doesn't get through. Remember, the brain is an immune privileged site, which means that it's protected from the rest of the body because of the brain is mission critical. Uh, so then once it becomes permeable, then it just raises havoc because you, you're going to have antibodies. You're going to have things that can come in and out. The problem with really the big, the biggest problem with that, David, is that once you have blood brain barrier permeability, you have more likelihood of things getting into the brain that is not supposed to. That triggers the glial cells and other yeah. actions to create more inflammation in the brain. Anytime you have inflammation, that's like your body throwing a grenade to blow something yeah. up. In this context of an infection, that's great. Blow the bad guys up, bad guys yeah. up all day. But if you have inflammation against self tissue, then you're going to have like cellular debris floating around. Mm -hmm. So if you have cellular debris of your brain floating around due to brain inflammation, and then you have leaky blood-brain barrier, those cellular debris of the brain can leak out through the blood-brain barrier into the systemic circulation. Now it has a chance to get presented to the lymph nodes, to the T and B cells in the lymph node, and you can build antibody against neurological tissue. Mm. Now you're going to have the more likelihood of getting neurological autoimmunity. And this is, again, a, a big problem because you can, uh, you know, if you have a thyroid problem, you can remove the thyroid gland, okay? Uh, if you have a brain problem, you can't remove your brain. <laughs> yeah. So we, we haven't done brain it. transplants yet, right? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be interesting. But uh, yeah, so this is why the, the, the blood brain barrier and the, and leaky gut is really a, a very common occurrence. Doesn't mean everybody with leaky gut is going to have leaky blood brain barrier, but yeah. it definitely sets, sets it up so that it, it can be a very uh, high likelihood. Yeah. That's really interesting how that connection works. And 
you know, you mentioned how like we have this brain immune gut, right? And so you're talking about, obviously we talked a lot about the brain. We talked about leaky gut here, how it impacts the blood brain barrier. And you talked a lot about inflammation, which is an immune component. Let's tie all that together with like that immune system you've got in the middle of your big acronym. And so can you connect the dots there? Yeah, uh, this is where that that vagus nerve again uh, has a really big immunological component. So mm. the vagus nerve actually has um, connections to your spleen and your liver. And when you have good vagal tone and vagal outflow, it actually, through that vagus nerve pathway, inhibits macrophage activation in the spleen and the liver. And what that means is that it can dampen inflammation in those area, and that has a systemic effect. Okay, so so this is where if you have decreased vagus nerve output, right away you're going to have a more inflamed system because macrophages are these immune cells that are big eaters. They basically go eat up pathogens, but they can also eat up cellular debris. If the macrophages are overactive, too activating too much, potentially it can damage self tissue. You're going to just basically activate a lot of cytokines and create a lot of inflammatory uh, response. So that's a mechanism for how the vagus nerve directly contribute to inflammation. Mm. Um, now, also from a brain perspective, this is really interesting. That you know your left brain is typically your um, the, the part of the brain that kind of makes you you know, just like the sympathetic and the parasympathetic, every everything in the body has a gas pedal, brake pedal, right? So yeah. that's how we can achieve homeostasis. Your left brain typically is kind of seen as your go brain. It's more dopamine yeah, driven. Yeah, makes you more like want to approach things and motivate it, want to go look for a mm -hmm. food and mate. While your right brain is more of your brake pedal. Makes you kind of, whoa, let's pay attention to our environment. Is there bad guys? Is there something that's really bad for me? So, you know, that's a general description, okay? It, yeah. it can be seen that way. Well, your left brain, it's a gas pedal, also tend to push your immune system. It, it tend to stimulate specifically T helper one immune response. And then the right brain tend to push the T helper two immune response. So T helper one is a part of the immune system that go kill things. Mm -hmm. T helper two is primarily the immune system that make antibodies. So sometimes we'll see people with a very left brain dominant or right brain weakness, having more of a more inflamed body because they, the T helper one response may be too over exuberant, causing more inflammation. On the other hand, if we see someone with a right brain activation and then left brain that's insufficient, it's all about balance, right? It's not yeah. like everybody's perfect. Some people just more of a right brain person than more of the mm -hmm. artist type. Some people more of the accountant type, but when it's too much, that's when it becomes a problem. So in the right brain active situation and left brain deficient situation, you might see someone with more asthma, and allergies, which is more of a TH2 response. So okay. this is where the brain mm. hemispheres can contribute some of these, you know, uh, patterns that we see in people as far as immune system function. Yeah, interesting. And is there certain certain toxins that somebody might be exposed to that can push one of those systems more than another? Yeah. So in in the literature, definitely environmental toxins like BPA and, and these, uh, you know, environmental toxins they tend to promote a TH2 dominance. Okay. So toxins tend to have a TH2 promoting property. So then this is why it can cause someone to be more asthmatic, more allergic, right? Having more of these allergic type of sensitivity on the skin or in the lung or, or otherwise. Yeah. Uh, so toxins can do that. And we also know not just toxins, but infections can also drive TH2 response. For example, pathogens that are too big 
for uh, engulfing, right? For phagocytosis. Yeah. Pathogens that are too big for phagocytosis are typically handled by the immune system with eosinophils mm. and mast cells with histamine. Yeah. And these mediators, because they basically spill enzymes on the bad guys that's too big to engulf to kind of bleach them to death, right? So then these eosinophils and, and mast cell responses are typically a Th2 response. Mm. So then, so then, so what, what would be a pathogen that's too big to engulf? Well, parasites. Yeah. So if you have parasites, you have mold, these things can drive, they're classic Th2 driv drivers. And so is environmental toxins. So, so this, these are the things that we're, we're looking for as a pattern. And if we see this person, yeah, asthma, allergy, always have some kind of, you know, sinus infection. And then they're always, uh, they also, this person may have more of a left brain dominance where they're very, you know, uh, nitty gritty about little things or watch too much device electronics, you know, kids with ADHD and, and autism tend to be more left brain dominant. So that's yeah. why they love their electronic and they should be, we should be limiting electronic exposure for those kids with ADHD because they have a decreased right brain activity and too much left brain. So when I see an example here, autistic kid having allergies and asthma, mm. and then having like this autism left brain driven can pay attention. And the right brain also is bodily sensation. So they can't feel their body. They can't embody themselves. They also can't mm -hmm. read body language. That's all right brain deficit. So that's an example in that population of this left brain, right brain imbalance that's connected to an immune system problem. Right. Wow. Yeah. Really great stuff, Dr. Khan. And you have several different programs where you walk people through kind of how to understand these things and then also how to improve their neurometabolic health. Can you explain some of your programs? And uh, obviously we'll, we'll send people, send some traffic that way. Thank you so much for letting me share. Yeah, yeah. so we have a, a neurometabolic digital program and basically it's a, it's a course hybrid coaching program. And it's a 16 module course. It's really comprehensive because what I wanted to do is teach people how to address all the different factors that can impact brain, immune and gut. So the modules include things like how to help balance blood sugar, perfusion, support gut health from north to south. We talked about vagus nerve, stomach acid, pancreatic enzyme, yeah. bile. Like we, we have a module on each of those and then leaky gut and then addressing parasites, mold, toxins, detoxing, and then very detailed modules on brain. In fact, there's three modules on brain uh, and then hormones. So it's, it's very comprehensive. And now it's a, some people, this is great for someone who like to learn who's yeah. interested in the mechanisms and the why, but then also want to have like very concrete steps. Okay, how do I, what do I do with this knowledge, right? So it's not just like, okay, here's all the stuff. It's actually, okay, step-by-step. Step. What would you do first? What would you do second? Now, keep in mind, it's not cookie cutter because everybody's different. So that's why we include a coaching component so we can kind of explain to people and talk them mm -hmm. through it so that they can have more context of how to apply that information to a specific situation. So yeah, yeah we're, exactly. the people really love it. And I think, um, again, it's, it's not for everyone. It's for people who just love to learn. Yeah. They want to get really deep into it. And they really need help at the same time yeah. to solve really complex problems. And they may need just a lot of components to be all brought together. Some people maybe just have leaky gut and that's it. That's awesome, right? Uh, but some people might need more. So this is an opportunity for them to dive in. Yeah, for sure. You know, we always pat ourselves on the back when it's like you just give somebody uh betaine HCL and they get better, right? <laughs> or, or probiotics, right? But the reality is that there's a lot of people out there that are listening, you know, to this conversation that unfortunately they've tried the probiotics, they tried the betaine HCL, the glutamine, all that kind of stuff. 
and they're not any better. And, you know, if that's you, you're, you're that person that really needs uh, what Dr. Khan has to offer and is the best place for them to find that at askdrkhan.com. Uh, that's a, that's our main website. That's a starting yeah. place. Yes. We also have, um, websites directly related to that program called the big masterclass.com. Mm. Um, usually that's through launches. So currently yeah. uh, by the time you watch this, that we probably will, will be in the launch. We're also going to, uh, consider turning into an evergreen offer so that yeah. people can jump in at any time. Yeah. So, well, yeah. send me, send me over a link so I could put it in the show notes as well. So we can send people there. Thanks again for your time, Dr. Khan. Guys, definitely check him out. I know you guys love this interview. This is really, really good content. And uh, give him some love. Check him out on social media. And also, of course, his website, AskDrKhan.com. Thanks so much, Dr. Khan, for your time. And we'll see you guys in a future interview. Be blessed, everybody. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.